0: You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. So Pastor Dan has been in a series on a life-changing church. We've been going through the book of Acts. Um, We're going to break away from that right now, though. I know that Acts is uh, Pastor Dan's favorite book of the Bible, so we're going to leave that study to him. And uh, I'm just going to dig into a bit of scripture today that we're all familiar with. That song that was just playing was actually... Very appropriate. I like that that came up. Um, it's something that we like to refer to as Christians quite often because uh, it gives us reassurance and it serves to remind us of the Lord's protection over us. Um, actually, if you look out in the hallway, we have a small picture out there that depicts this story from the Gospels a picture of Jesus in the boat with the disciples. Uh, the caption underneath the picture says, Peace be still. So we'll be in Mark 4. Verses 35 through 41. So if you want to turn there, which are in your Bibles, uh, you can read along. If not, we're going to have it up here on the screen. Um, Now, this particular occurrence, it it happens in, it's told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the Gospels. Uh, But I'll be reading from Mark this morning in the New King James. And I'm calling this message today, Jesus Knows the Destination. He knows the destination. A lot of the time... The, the stress, the worry, and fear, that's our natural reaction to intense situations, right? And these are the times when sometimes we question the Lord, where are you in all of this, right? But we need to keep in mind who he is and that he already knows where he's taking us. So let's look at the verse, beginning in verse 35, it says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right, so this is a pretty short set of verses here, right? Easy to sum up, but we're going to dig into each verse separately here. All right, so this occurs when Mark describes Jesus teaching uh, the multitudes from a boat along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Right? He was teaching in parables, as he often did, uh, for what seems to be most of the day. This was a very long day for him. Uh, he, he was uh, talking about, let's see, this is where he talked about the parable of the sower, the light under the basket, uh, the parable of the growing seed, and also the parable of the mustard seed. All of these, of course, shedding light on what the kingdom of God is like. So verse 35, it tells us, on the same day as this, this same long day, when evening had come, all right. so it's it's getting to be nighttime now because, of course, a storm out on the water. It's a little more scary at nighttime, isn't it? So they would be traveling to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus told them they would cross to the other side. They wouldn't be there long because Jesus had a very specific mission there, right? This is when he encounters Legion. And, uh, of course, he gets rid of all the demons from Legion, puts them into a herd of swine who plummet to their death. uh, But that doesn't matter. Uh, Jesus uh, tells Legion, don't tell anybody what happened, but Legion goes into this Gentile territory and tells everybody about Jesus. So he's planting seeds right there. That's a story for another day. So we want to look closely at Jesus' words, right? What did he tell them? He said they were going to go to the other side. You've all heard this about this study, right? He didn't say, let's get in this boat so we can perish out in the middle of the sea in this storm, right? He didn't say that. No, he knows where he wants to take them just like he knows where he wants to take us, right? We just need to listen to his words. We need to trust in his will and his plan for our lives. And it can be difficult sometimes, right? Because the roar of the wind can drown out his voice. The intensity of the storm that surrounds us can make it difficult to focus on the promises of Scripture. But we need to remember who he is and who is in control. And that he's working things for our good. And that he knows the destination. And that if we would just trust him with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding... Acknowledge him in all our ways that he will make our paths straight. Amen. All right. So verse 36 says that they left the multitude and took Jesus along just as he was. All right. Jesus was teaching all day. So he's probably tired. He's probably hungry. he's probably thirsty. But did they go ashore for a quick bite to eat something to drink? Did he go for a quick change of clothes, a shower at the YMCA? No, he didn't. See what I did there? Young men's Christian. Never mind. (laughs) No, they took him as he was. And we need to do the same. We need to take Jesus as he is. Not how we want him to be. Not to try and fit him into this little box of our own making. Right? So that he's conformed to what we find acceptable and what we find is within our power to accomplish to where we're not the ones being changed, but we're trying to change Jesus to fit our situation. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We need to take Jesus and his word just as they are. So they took Jesus just as he was. They couldn't allow him to go ashore, right? Because that would have put him in the middle of this huge crowd. He would have had to keep preaching and teaching and healing in the middle of this huge crowd, right? So they they took him as he was. It had already been that entire day of healing and teaching, right? So it was important that they left right then and there, that the boat from the boat that Jesus was teaching in, right? And the other small fact from verse 36 that can get lost here is that. Uh, There were other boats that began to follow, right? It wasn't just Jesus and the 12 in the boat that got caught in the storm. There were other boats with him, right? You can almost see the people on shore like, hey, is he leaving? Is he leaving now? We got to, come on, let's go. You can see him scrambling to get to go out there to be with Jesus. And what a perfect, a perfect opportunity for the enemy right here. Just think about it for the prince of the power of the air, right? Can you imagine what the enemy was thinking, what Satan was thinking right now? I have the Son of God and his 12 disciples. I have all these followers uh, all together in this one place. What a glorious opportunity to wipe it all out right now, right? And that's what this storm represents. It's that unexpected trouble that arises quickly. Look, in verse 37, it says that the boat was already filling, meaning that as soon as the storm came up, it was starting to overtake them. So this is that trouble that blindsides us when we least expect it. When even though we've just received this great blessing from the Lord, like they just received all this great teaching from Jesus, right? We receive these these blessings, and the skies seem clear, but then we're hit with the fiercest gales, and we begin to take on water faster than we can bail it out. This is that unexpected diagnosis for an otherwise healthy person this is that job termination when we've never felt more comfortable and secure the storm can represent the attack of the enemy attack an attack because you've just had a breakthrough a spiritual breakthrough right and everything's so great but then it all comes crashing down that's what this storm is ephesians 6 verse 12 says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is that storm when it hits us that we often think to ourselves, Lord, where are you in all of this? Lord, why are you sleeping? Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you protecting me? Why can't I hear your voice in all of this? But instead of doubting, questioning like the disciples did, we need to, have faith and trust that Jesus is still taking us to the destination that he promised. We can't focus on the storm like the disciples did. We need to focus on Jesus' words and what he promises because he knows the destination. All right, so we go back to the text. Verse 37, it says, a great windstorm arises, a great windstorm. The Sea of Galilee was known for its sudden storms, all right? So this is nothing new to those people in the boats, except maybe the severity of it, all right? So one source uh, says that the Sea of Galilee lies about 700 feet below sea level, but it's surrounded by highlands. To the Northeast is Mount Hermon, which is 9,000 feet above sea level. So when the warm air from the sea rises to meet the cool air from the mountain, it often results in a storm. So this storm is so severe that these professional fishermen, right, who've experienced storms on this very body of water already, they were fearing for their lives. Teacher, we are perishing, right? It says the waves beat into the boat and began to fill it up. You ever feel like that? That The waves keep pounding into you, wave after wave. The boat is violently rocking and you're taking on water faster than you can bail it out. Life is like that sometimes, right? But we have to remember who it is that we put our trust in when we step out onto the water in the first place. Jesus didn't promise that crossing to the other side was going to be easy. He just promised that he's going to get us there. All right, so this storm is raging. What does it say next? Verse 38. It says, Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow it's quite the picture isn't it there he is sleeping so this is one of the places that we get a glimpse of jesus's humanity in that he was so exhausted that he was able to sleep in such a raging storm and not for nothing but this is some good instruction for us to get some rest right We're always rushing, going from here to there. We always overschedule ourselves. There's never enough time in the day, right? That's why I'm so glad that Pastor Dan did take today off. You know, he's always pushing himself, and he wanted to be here, but uh, it's a good thing that he stayed home to get some rest. We need to set aside the worries of the day and get a good night's sleep. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 34, not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, if anyone had anything to worry about, it was Jesus. Just look at what surrounded him. In his humanity, he could have worried about the religious and the political leaders who plotted against him. He could have worried about pleasing his family who thought he had gone crazy. He could have worried about he could have worried about the disciples, right? Are these even the right guys for the job? Look at them, they're a hot mess. right? <laughs> he could have worried about the overwhelming crowds that sought him day and night and all of their overwhelming needs. He could have worried about the looming cross. But no, there he was asleep in the stern of a violently rocking boat. And this is how we need to be. Jesus is the one we need to go to because he experienced all of this himself. He's been through it. That's why he's our advocate, because he knows what we're going through. And this is where the word tells us how we can experience peace in the middle of the storm, right? Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Not to be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the one thing that the disciples actually got right here. They went to Jesus. Right? Yes, they were scared. Yes, they were doubtful. Just as all of us are sometimes when the odds are stacked against us. But they did the right thing and they went to Jesus. They may have been wrong in their tone in accusing him of not caring and staying asleep, right, and not helping them at all. But they were correct in seeking him out. And actually, if you look at their words, they don't actually appeal to Jesus to do anything. They just kind of uh, make a protest to his apparent indifference. They're probably thinking, look, Jesus... You're in danger here, too. This boat is going to go down. You need to wake up and start bailing some water. Do something, bro. You're going to die, too. All right, so now we need to take note of what it was that actually woke Jesus up. Was it the howling of the wind? Was it the pounding of the waves against the boat? The violent rocking up and down? No. The intensity of the storm didn't wake Jesus. It was the crying out of his beloved. It was the pleas of the disciples that woke him up. It's like a a mother with a newborn. You know, that newborn falls asleep in the middle of the day immediately. Mom wants to get in a quick nap, right? She'll crash. There could be all sorts of commotion going on in the house, but she's not going to wake up. But as soon as that baby cries, she springs into action, right? It's our crying to the Lord that can move him into action. It's our prayers, our petitions, our pleas. Pastor Dan's going to like that one. Because if you haven't noticed, Pastor Dan likes to use alliteration. (laughs) It's our prayers, our petitions, and our pleas. It's when we get to a place where we cannot help ourselves and where we realize and feel our entire dependence on him, that is where he will reveal his power. Amen? Amen. And if there be a sleeping Christ, hold I want you to think about where it says he was in the boat. It says he's in the stern of the boat. He's in the back of the boat. Normally, that's where the rudder is, the rudder that steers the boat, all right? I want you to think about this now. Though he might be sleeping, all he has to do is reach out his hand to grab onto that rudder and begin to control the boat. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? You have to acknowledge. You have to acknowledge who's in control. You have to realize who's on the throne. You have to know who it is who has his hands on the control and is steering and taking you to that destination. It's the one who knows the destination. Come on now. And it doesn't just say that he woke up. He didn't stretch and yawn and rub his eyes. No, it said that Jesus arose. He stood up to his full height, steadily on two feet in a violently rocking boat. To show his control over the situation. And he didn't just speak to the wind. No, it said he rebuked the wind. To rebuke the wind, he t- it means to chastise, to scold, to sternly reprimand the wind. He's wagging his finger as if to say, Not today, Satan, not today. to think about this this is how he protects us this is how he cares for us you look at the word rebuked he rebuked the wind the terminology used here it's actually the same as when jesus cast out demons elsewhere in the in the gospels right so clearly this represents a spiritual battle just as much as a physical one all right so we move on to verse 39 Notice that Jesus addresses the wind and the sea separately. He rebukes the wind to stop the attack. But after the storm subsides in our lives, the waves can keep rolling along. The after effects of the storm, the wreckage left by the storm, can still take our peace away. So that's when Jesus speaks to the waves as well. Peace, be still. And he speaks to the waves, to our situation, just as much as he speaks to our hearts. He tells us to trust him. He tells us to be at peace. He tells us to be still and know that he is God. Stillness is a divine gift that's always available if we would only embrace it. I'm going to say that again. I want you to get a hold of that. Stillness is a divine gift that is always available if we would only embrace it. From the point of salvation, we've known Jesus in his kindness, in his love, and in his grace. But when he awakens and rises to rebuke the storms in our lives, that's when we begin to know him for his might and his power. Amen? And it's also right here that we have a complete picture of Jesus during his earthly ministry. We see him here as both fully man and fully God. Jesus shows his humanity while he's sleeping, but then reveals himself as God through his command of air and sea. One moment, he's an exhausted man, asleep in the stern of a boat. The next moment, he's exercising his will and authority given to him by the Father. All right, so the wind ceases, and there's great calm. Right? First, it's described as a great windstorm, but now there's great calm. Right? So when we're in a situation that's too much for us to handle, Jesus can take us from one extreme to the other. Right? He can give us that peace, that peace that passes all understanding. And now, after he calmed the storm, only now, now Jesus gives the lesson to the disciples. Right? He didn't chasten them during the storm because they wouldn't have received it. They wouldn't even have heard his voice. They wouldn't know what he was talking about, right? So first came the protection, then came the correction. I'll say that one again. First came the protection, then came the correction, right? How often does our fear get the better of us? And we imagine all sorts of crazy scenarios in our head and the horrible outcomes we think about, right? Only for the Lord to take us in a completely unexpected, different direction, one that if we had just put our trust in him in the first place, we wouldn't have had to fear at all. And we often look at the disciples and say, why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? Right? They're the disciples. Why are they so slow? Why don't they understand who Jesus is? I mean, they knew the scriptures. You look at the scriptures all throughout the Old Testament. Israel was forever singing of Jehovah of his might and in his power. We look in Psalms 89, verses 8 and 9, which says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. The disciples knew these words, and they just witnessed what Jesus had done. You know, they lived with Jesus. They they saw his miracles over and over. They learned from him the authority that he had when he taught. And yet they still doubted. And we often say to ourselves, how foolish this seems. If I was there, I would have known, I would have trusted Jesus, I would have had faith until we take a closer look at ourselves, we who have 2,000 more years of testimony, of exposition, of commentary and writings, all declaring the faithfulness of God. We have our own experiences, our own testimonies those of our friends and our families, how many healings, how many people delivered, saved, and comforted by the Savior, and yet we still doubt. Shame on us. We still question if Jesus is asleep in the middle of our storm and if he can save us. So the question that he asks in verse 40, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's a question that he's still asking us today. Something we have to think about. That actually just really hit me right now. <coughs> forgive me, Lord, for my my small faith. Lord, forgive me for the times I doubt you. For making you so small. Lord, you are able. We know that you are able. We put our trust in you. I'm gonna have the worship team come on back up. As I begin to wrap this up. We're going to get you guys out of here early today. <laughs> All right, so we'll take a look at verse 41. It says they feared exceedingly, or more precisely, the meaning of this word, is they were struck with deep awe. Right, this is that biblical fear of the Lord that's found in in so many verses, right? It's that reverence for his might and his power because they all realize that only God could do what Jesus had just done, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's more of an exclamation than it is a question here. Actually, look at the end of it here in Mark. It's an exclamation point. It's not a question mark. They're acknowledging who he is. And that's something we need to remember when we are delivered and when we're brought safely through the storm, we must always give the glory to God. Amen. Psalms 115 verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, because of your truth. If you prayed for it and it came to pass, you better make sure. You give the glory to the one who made it come to pass. Amen? So what's the biggest takeaway from these verses? I'm sure that's debatable, uh, but I'll say this. From these verses, we we know that the ship isn't going down. Right? We know that the boat can't go down. Why do we know this? Just look at where Jesus was the whole time. He's in the boat. He's in the boat with him. The boat's not going down. My boat's not going down. Your boat's not going down. You're not feeling well, Pastor Dan. Your boat's not going down because Jesus is in the boat with us. He's with us all the time. When we're in the middle of our struggles, we know the story isn't over unless the story is good. That's from a song, but I'm going to use it right here. We know the story isn't over because when the story isn't good. When we're experiencing things, when 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 we're in the middle of it and the experience is bad, we know the story isn't over yet. We know the boat isn't going down because he's working things for our good. All we need to do is cry out to Jesus to trust that he is with us. He is working things for our good and that he will arise, that he will rebuke the wind and calm the seas because he's the one that's going through it with us. He said that he will never leave or forsake us. He said, surely he is with us to the very end of the age. And because he said that he will faithfully complete the good work that he has begun in us, because he said that neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in him, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he knows the destination. Because he's with us every single step of the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you know the struggle that we are going through, Lord. That you have experienced the struggle, Lord God. And that you know all we have to do is cry out to you, Lord that you will arise, Lord, that you will stand up for us and show your control over the situation, Lord. You will steer us and guide us and motivate us to get through these storms, Lord God. You never said it would be easy. You just said that you would be with us, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you show your might and your power in our lives and that you will bring us to where you are taking us, Lord, both in the grand scale of things to where we're on heaven's shores and in your presence forever, but also in those small things in life, Lord God, where you're taking us, where you're leading and guiding us and teaching us, Lord. We just thank you that you are present with us. So, Father, we give you all of the honor and the glory this morning. We ask for your blessing over our week to come. Father, we lift up Pastor Dan to you right now. Lord, we just ask that you would go before him, Lord God, on Tuesday morning before this surgery, the procedure, Lord, that you would be in that room before him, Lord, preparing things, Lord, that you would enable the doctors to do just a flawless surgery, Lord, we pray for immediate uh, recovery, yes. Father, take away all pain and discomfort. Lord, we know you are a miracle worker. You are a way maker. So we we declare right now in the name of Jesus that that kidney stone would be dissolved right now, Lord God. That you would obliterate that kidney stone. Lord, that you would reduce all swelling inside his body right now and get rid of that diverticulitis. Lord, we trust you and we believe in you for healing for him right now, Lord God. So we just pray that your hand would be upon him, Father, for perfect healing for Pastor Dan right now. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We trust in you, and we thank you right now for healing, Pastor Dan. Thank you, you, Jesus. You're so gracious and good, Lord. Be with us in this week to come, Lord God. We ask for your blessing as we walk in your ways. May we honor you with all that we think, say, and do. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.